0: Welcome to the e commerce toolbox expert perspectives, a podcast by Noibu, where we explore the elite strategies and cutting edge insights with our expert guests. Get ready to propel your e commerce business to the next level.
1: Welcome to the e commerce toolbox experts perspective. Joining us today, we have Susie who's calling in from Dublin, Ireland. So first off, I just want to introduce Susie. She's the head of e-commerce, EMEA at Fitbit, which is now a part of Google. So welcome, Susie. Thank you so much
2: for having me. It's great to be here.
1: Everyone always wants to know, how did you go from banking to telecom and now into e-com? Really, really curious to hear about your journey from a high level, and then maybe kind of how you've seen the landscape shift during that time period in your discipline.
2: Yeah, sure. So I guess I definitely have changed industries a few times, but I've always been within the digital landscape. So I guess so much of those skills are very transferable. So I've always kind of been working with like online consumer journeys and digital marketing. So working for a bank in the UK originally, so it was Lloyd's TSB at the time, and they're a huge digital bank and they're a really amazing digital bank. And so that gave me a huge grounding in like what good customer journeys look like, like the power of consumer data, like some amazing logged in experiences, and then also just the power of like different digital media types, SEO, as well as things like aggregators and affiliates. So it was an amazing grounding for me to kind of move from that industry. I moved back home to Ireland and I guess the digital banking wasn't quite on the same trajectory as it was over in the UK. So I did briefly kind of work with a bank in Ireland and then moved to three, which was a telco. and. They have a fantastic digital team there. So I joined, worked with really, really strong, like-minded, like digital-focused people. And I loved my role there. It was great to be able to kind of work again very much in consumer journeys and, and trying to build new consumer journeys, and working hands-on with the engineers, the devs, the designers. So I think that, again, was like a really, really good complementary skills to what I've been doing in the UK. And then the opportunity came up with Fitbit and an old colleague of mine kind of, recruited me to join. And that's how I ended up working as an, another e-commerce role, but in a different industry again.
1: Great. And obviously, at some point, Fitbit was acquired by Google. So that probably wasn't part of the plan when you joined, right? So you kind of find yourself back in it. Oh, you did know.
2: Well, you did know. Yeah. So I was aware that they were going to acquire Fitbit, but they hadn't yet. But I was aware that it was all kind of in progress. And again, it's kind of a similar theme that I love, like e-commerce and digital marketing, but I also seem to love like acquisitions. So it's the third company that like has either gone through an acquisition or kind of a split off. So yeah, it's been a wild ride, but I seem to be attracted to those kind of roles.
1: Makes sense. I mean, it makes life a lot interesting certain days to find out a lot of uh, potentially big changes. So that makes a lot of sense. And I really want to pull the string on one of the first things you said, which is around data capture logged in experiences, right? So obviously we know that that's really, really critical. So maybe talk to us a bit about from a high level, how you think about data capture, what data should you collect? What shouldn't you collect? How much is too much? How much is not enough? I feel like it's really, really hard to strike that balance, but curious how you look at that.
2: I think it depends for sure on the kind of company. As you said, like data, it's very important, but I think quality data is like of the utmost importance. So as opposed to kind of going, trying to grab any kind of data and maybe having like too much of it sampled or not like that usable, it's important to try and get like the data foundations right. And I think for places like banks in the financial industry, like having that consumer data and having it very safely protected and ensuring you're very compliant, like that is of the utmost importance. So for those kind of industries, like they are very vigilant about how they manage their customer data. And I guess consumers are also expecting that, right? So like if you're applying for a loan or a credit card or a mortgage, you're expecting these banks to have a huge amount of data on you. People are pretty comfortable with that. So I think consumers are generally expecting that there's going to be a large amount of customer data captured and and they're okay. And I think a lot of the logged in experiences as well are really relevant. So again, consumers are very much expecting to have like very strong experiences logged in and they're not going to be overly spooked if they do see that there's a lot of next best action and like they are aware that banks have data and they will be utilizing it and i think as long as it's relevant it can be really really powerful i know some other companies again like maybe consumers would be less likely to want to share vast amounts of data with them so it's about again how do you make the process as relevant as possible and don't try and take away from the flow of a journey so if you're trying to buy something a product, like again, if you're bringing something in and making it relevant and making sure that you're not like got this huge pop up in the way to say, give me your data. And that maybe you're incentivizing the customer in the right way. Like if you're able to kind of say, get 10% off your first order or something, if you share email and those kind of things, I think are really, really relevant and it helps incentivize the consumer in the right way. And yeah, from there,
1: you're able to kind of get to know your customer on a more granular level. So just following up on that thought, we talked about balancing capturing too much data or not enough data, and then leveraging that to maybe personalize it back to the customer to drive a better experience for them. Everyone's kind of talking about AI nowadays, but really this started in retail over a decade ago. So I'm super curious when you look at, once you have that data, ensuring that it's kind of clean and accurate, and then basically maybe taking that back to personalize a better experience for the customers. Maybe walk us through how you look at that.
2: Yeah, sure. And I think like utilizing, like, I don't know, I love Google Analytics or any kind of analytics provider is really, really important. So again, if you're able to make the most from some of those tools to review what data that you have, to be able to make a case, to be able to build more data sets and to have and to make sure that you've got really clean data that's actionable, it's really important. So like, I kind of, I know we briefly spoke about it earlier on, but like, as opposed to having like loads and loads and loads of data, and then not really having enough actionable data understanding like what are the really important data points like do we need to have data do we need to know our current customer base a little bit more like do we need to see what products they're buying do we need to see the demographics and what our target market is that we can go and find like for like segments elsewhere or is it that we need to see what our new versus our upgrading consumer looks like to see where are we going to drive more revenue from as well as just like looking at different points of the journey, like a customer journey and an e-commerce journey to see, like, are there certain areas that are really impeding conversion that we need to kind of review? So there's, I guess, some foundational work, I think, that any company would be able to look at. And then going really deep into the customer data capture and then reviewing. Obviously, there's a lot of talk about AI in the market, as you mentioned, and then kind of doing a lot more sophisticated modeling to then understand, like, what is the next product that we want our consumers to buy? Or is there potential for them to upgrade to a certain product or to utilize some features in other products, which is useful to know. But I guess the base level is understanding what audience you're currently driving revenue from, and then understanding some of the quirks. Like from product launches that we've worked on before, like sometimes the demographics data is really surprising. And you might have some demographics that will be really key in launch period. And then actually afterwards, you're getting a different kind of consumer so it's good to be able to do those reviews at different stages of your product life cycle to see again like is it consistent throughout or are you attracting different consumers at different times and then trying to understand why that is
1: you mentioned demographics and other firmographics for effectively understanding your customer base and how to target how are you balancing this with obviously you're in kind of the european region you probably sell heavily into the eu how do you kind of manage data capture gdpr It's really kind of a space that's been ever evolving. How are you looking at that and leveraging your experience to make sure that you're optimizing performance without going too far on the GDPR side? Obviously, we have to be very conservative about GDPR and
2: make sure that we're hyper aware and like ticking every single box relating to that. But yeah, as you mentioned, it's kind of good that I've got experience in e commerce for a while. So I understand the importance of UX. I think there's always a balance, right? And you're going to be working with legal teams who are going to want to have extremely compliant solutions, which by the way I'm aligned with. Like I think the whole point of legislation is like to have that transparency is really, really important. But it's like how do you marry that with UX so that a consumer is going to have that reassurance that the company that the site that they're working with is super compliant, but that you're also going to fulfill whatever objective it is that you are doing with their site. So if you want to buy something, as long as you're making again as we kind of spoke about earlier on like relevancy, like what stage in the flow do you want to have this customer capture? or you're not going to do it straight off the bat, right? You're going to do it kind of more at the end when we've got the like the important fields populated. And then when the consumer is kind of expecting to have these tick boxes near the end, obviously you're not going to be opted in, you have to opt out, but then you have to have try and be as compliant as you can, but also not to have a numerous tick boxes that's going to be really unnerving and scary to a consumer. You want to be able to have everything that you need in one tick box, or at most two, if there's certain country restrictions. I know some countries are, need to have a double opt-in. So as long as you're able to be really concise with the consumer and then have plenty of transparent wording, if they need to click out and, and read a little bit more before they opt in. But then again, if you're able to kind of make sure that you're trying to keep it as relevant as possible to the consumer, so it's like you would love to be able to contact you relating to like relevant offers or exclusive offers, like those kind of things can sometimes be really, really good for a consumer and that you're not taking them too far away from the journey you're adding in at the end where they're kind of expecting to see it. And then, yeah, being able to test afterwards. So if you are making changes to your flows, being able to look kind of for like back at what the old journey looked like to see, has there been a big conversion impact? And actually, can you make something a very positive experience, even if it's because we've got legislation?
1: Yeah, I think we all have to remember, I think there's no worse feeling where you buy something and your friend goes, oh, I actually bought it at a lower price. I think being able to promote the things that people want intrinsically where they make a decision, like they're going to procure a product, being able to serve them up something that's relevant to them and kind of bring in an offer, I think is super valuable. So it makes a ton of sense. On this note, super curious to maybe broaden up the conversation. What are some of the top trends that you're seeing right now? And where are you investing kind of some of your mental capacity for next year? It's actually a really good question. So we kind of touched on AI
2: briefly, but there's so much coming in with like AI and search. And I think like any good e-commerce worker will always know how important like good SEO is and how intrinsically linked that SEO and UX are, right? So I think we're seeing more coming out about AI and search. Like how does that work? It's going to be less of the old school SEO days where there's loads of keyword stuffing and we're actually talking in a much more conversational manner. So like consumers are saying, where do I buy a certain product that we're able to have that conversational tone on our websites and are actually giving consumers that kind of context in the same way that they're looking for it. So, things like QA on people's pages, any FAQs, liberating to like any shipping issues, all those kind of things in a very conversational tone are not only super helpful to a consumer, but they're also going to be really, really important in how your rankings are going to work from a kind of a conversational tone within SEO. So, I think it's going to become a more and more important.
1: Yeah. And I think to your point, being able to then take the data capture, query it from like a database, leveraging kind of some of the AI stuff is going to be really, really relevant. So that makes a ton of sense. Cool. No, I think that's a big area of investment. Curious what your thoughts are. I always love to ask this question. What are some of the top things that you see done across the industry that you just think people should stop doing? Don't want to preempt your answer, but anything that you kind of, when you hop on personally to an ecom site and it's just you feel like it's the worst experience possible. What are some of those things?
2: I think keeping things simple. So like when you go to a website and it's like totally busy and there's too many competing buttons, like not having a clear, concise journey is difficult. And I think it's not going to be helpful. So again, like we talked a little bit about UX, but like UX is so important. So as long as you have a really clear navigation and you know what customers are really trying to do with your website, as opposed to maybe what a customer or as opposed to what a company wants consumers to do, going to have to marry the two to be like, okay, are people using our product in a certain way? Are they coming here to buy or are they coming here looking for help? So you kind of need to understand what those are to clearly define what their journey looks like and then map it out. I've obviously mentioned things like old school SEO as well, which is very similar. So like the old days of SEO are kind of gone with, again, keyword stuffing or looking, not having a good navigation and just having links everywhere. Like those kind of things, are, those nuances are just, they're, so antiquated at this point so yeah the better the ux you have the more conversational tone and content and flow you have on your site the better
1: makes a ton of sense on that note Susie, we're going to wrap it up really appreciate your time looking forward to releasing this episode i think we learned a lot this is a topic i haven't really covered too much in depth so i'm really really happy you're able to bring your expertise that's cross-industry to our podcast
2: no problem thank you so much for having me
0: the E-Commerce Toolbox Expert Perspectives is brought to you by Noibu. To find out more about Noibu and how we can help you debug your e-commerce site and rocket your revenue, visit www.noibu.com. That's N-O-I-B-U dot And then make sure to search for the E-Commerce Toolbox Expert Perspectives on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts or anywhere else podcasts are found and click subscribe. So you don't miss out on any future episodes. On behalf of the team here at Noibu, thanks for listening.